We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Gap Factory Labor Day sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season. 40 to 75% off everything. Plus doorbusters August 30th through September 2nd only. Tees from $4.99. Logo styles from $16.99. And jeans from $19.99. Shop in-store today at Gap Factory or at GapFactory.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Dicey Tradecast, brought to you by my FFPC and RotoViz Radio. I'm your host, Nathan Powell, and today I'm joined by my good friend, my co-host, Dan Sanyo. The Gap Factory Labor Day sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season, 40 to 75% off everything, plus doorbusters August 30th through September 2nd only. Tees from $4.99, logo styles from $16.99, and jeans from $19.99. Shop in-store today at Gap Factory or at GapFactory.com. Dan, how's it going tonight? It's going, man. I'm still recovering from a combination of a a dual child's birthday. Uh, My one and three-year-old are one day apart, and we had their birthday party uh, yesterday and also Tiger Woods winning the Masters, so still, still a little, little choked up from that one. That one, that one uh, hits home, as you can see. Uh, you'll be able to see, not the listeners, but that guy right there on my wall. That'd be Mr. Tiger Woods, and that's actually a Masters photo. Uh, so yeah, everything, uh, everything's on the up and up, and I'm actually pretty excited about this one. Uh, this is something we haven't really done before. I mean, we've done 
you know, within the year. So I'll let you walk people through it, but I'm excited about this one. All right. Uh, as we've pretty much discussed the last couple of weeks at like the end of the podcast, I'm like, well, I got to figure out what we're going to talk about next week. Well, we, we, th- we found a, g- a good idea as we were ending last week's pod and it's going to be a, we're calling it the rookie draft matrix. I don't know why it's called a matrix. I was going to say mix, but matrix sounds more fun. So what it's going to be is a mix of the 2018 and 2019 classes. So basically we're breaking down the two classes, the the values of both players. This kind of gives you an eye of where the 2018 players are after one year and where those 2019 players would have ranked in comparison to last year's class. Since this is the matrix, I think the real question is, is which one of us is Neo and which one of us is Morpheus? Uh, Blue pill. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, this is exciting. It's kind of, uh, for those of you that uh, are subscribed to uh, the DLF or DynastyLeagueFootball.com, they have cornerstone rankings, and I believe that goes three years out, but uh, it's a little bit I, like I think, that. I think it's, I think it's uh, the year before Rookie and, and De- Debbie. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's something kind of like that. We're just going to do basically two first rounds worth of players or uh, our top 24. So uh, we're going to see how this goes. Our, our timing may go a little bit long. We may split this up. We may fit it all into one. So we'll, uh, we'll see how it goes, but yeah, I'm, I'm genuinely excited about this because like I said before, it's something we haven't done yet. And it's kind of interesting to see how this compiles and, and to kind of see where, um, to see where each of us value players and if anyone slips or anything like that. Well, people are excited about the rookie classes. You know what they're also excited about? Rotoviz. <laughs> are they excited about Rotoviz? Could it possibly be that uh, for our listeners, they can get a 30% uh, 30% off of an NFL uh, pass via Rotoviz for the uh, 2019 season? It is available through the NFL podcast homepage. That's rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. The 2019 season is its almost here. We're almost to the draft. We're, we're getting close. So make sure you have your access to all of the NFL content and tools. You get amazing value and you get to support us, which that's a big bonus because that means we get to be here every week. So make sure you go to rotaviz.com forward slash, forward slash podcast and get yourself that NFL pass. All righty, let's kick off our rookie draft matrix. I can actually see all of the code. I can see all of the code going through my computer right now. It's amazing. There there we go. Uh, So I'll start us off uh, with the very difficult decision of the 101 and the 2018-2019 rookie draft combined. I will take Saquon Barkley. Uh, Some will say this is obvious, and they will be correct. Uh, Saquon Barkley was the runaway 101 in 2018. He did little to nothing to prove otherwise in his rookie season. And this has been a – one of the weakest classes at the 101 as we've seen in recent memory. So the combination of how good Barkley is and how bad, I mean, there's some good players. I don't want to say bad, but how underwhelming the the top of the the, the classes have been the last two years um, combined with Barkley equals Barkley being the runaway 101. Yeah, that's that's one of the crazy ones where the 101 rookie class ends up, you know, pretty much skyrocketing to the overall dynasty 101 in little to no time at all. I, I mean, he was basically a top four, five, six pick before he even touched a football, which, I mean, that's kind of unheard of. And now, I mean, we'll see what they do with him. But now, I mean, there's no <laughs> there's no competition for targets. He's going to get everything out of the backfield 
He's going to catch so many passes. He's uh, my only fear at this point is is that they wear him down, is that they overuse him, they burn him out. Now, obviously, he's he's an athletic freak, um, but anything can happen and, and bodies can break down faster, especially when they're overused and getting the crap beat out of them week to week. So hopefully they they bring, you know, at maybe maybe like a late round guy to just kind of help spell a little tiny bit of the work so he's not out there for 100% of the snaps every single game. But, yeah, it's hard to deny anybody but Saquon here. And also, just a Barkley discussion, and you talking about the carries in general. It's not. It's kind of like a straw man, but some people are saying that they're worried about the, the number of carries or the number of targets that Barkley's going to get in the next couple of years. Like, oh, he's going to break down so quickly. In fantasy and in dynasty, I don't think that's a worry at all. Like, even if he does break down because of an enormous amount of carries, you're going to benefit from those enormous amount of carries. Yeah, I'd I'd be more I honestly I'd be more worried about the carries than the than the targets and the and the catches because you know running headfirst into the the offensive and defensive line you know twenty times a game isn't quite as crazy as catching six passes and half of them running out of bounds and half of them getting tackled by cornerbacks so and it is what it is uh, I think there's definitely something that is going to be on the back of everyone's minds with his usage but at the same time we're all just going to reap the benefits and and watch him explode for just crazy points especially so young and and who knows if this is his prime who knows if he gets better um it's it's kind of a a, he's a serious outlier for in my opinion it's i don't think we'll see uh anything else really like this you know obviously obj coming on strong was pretty crazy too but uh yeah there'll be another never another saquon uh so i had the second pick and this one i mean there's so many names that that you could genuinely go with uh, but I think I'm going to go with DJ Moore, uh, Carolina Panthers. Little mini breakout last season. Obviously, he didn't um, he didn't go crazy by any means. But Cam was you know 50 percent basically the entire season. Uh, Christian McCaffrey was taking on most of the work pretty much everywhere, and then they kind of spread it around in the passing game outside of uh, outside of CMC. So I think with a healthy Cam and now Funchess out of there and and maybe Greg Olson moving on, and we'll see kind of what happens with the other pieces. We'll see if they bring in another wide receiver. Uh, but I think DJ Moore is due for a, a big-time breakout, and I think um, – I'm, I'm not entirely sure he gets into that wide receiver one category, but I think he's definitely in the conversation for a high-end wide receiver two overall in Dynasty. And honestly, the the college production he put up, I think he still went later last year than he should have. Obviously, there were some leagues where he – he went, you know, high end. He went maybe right after Barkley in some places, but it was kind of different um, pretty much across the board. And and between his college production, his his draft stock, and and now we see the mini breakout last year, I think it's hard to deny um, his his career trajectory. I think he's going to continue to do well, and I think I think we see Cam um, grow with him. Hopefully Cam stays healthy. I think that's that's one important factor of, of maybe that floor being a little bit lower than I would have liked it to be. Um, making that 102 selection, but uh, I'll take it. I think there's a ton of upside there. I mean, I, I would say personally that he has the highest floor among, if you were to compare him with the top four wide receivers that's considered a top tier in 2019, I think he has a higher floor simply because he's already been a first round pick. He's already slotted to be the number one wide receiver in an offense. Th- those are things that are not afforded to the those wide receivers at this point. Certainly in three weeks, 
they all, all four of them, all, all five of the top wide receivers could be afforded the chance to be a wide receiver one and be a first round draft pick. But as of today, more is the safest option because it's already happened. He's already, he's already been a first round pick and he's already in the number one role. And he's, you know, had a decent rookie year. He didn't certainly have the production of a Calvin Ridley who might go later in this draft, but he, you know, he, he did, he did enough to where it's not like a Devonte Parker type rookie year. Definitely. Definitely. And, and like, you know, he was, he was spotty. He was, you know, he was a rookie. It, it kind of is what it is. And he's still, you know, relatively young with, with all of that. And like I said before, Cam being, you know, half, half strength basically the entire season and so you know there's a few games he missed so i i think i think if they they kind of get all the pieces together and they get cam there for the full season you know fully healthy i think uh i think it's a really scary offense and i see dj Moore doing big things all righty with the third selection in this draft i am going to go with my 2019 101 and that is Nikhil harry uh oh by the way i, I should mention that this may be obvious, but this is a one quarterback league. Uh, Baker would have already been gone by now. <laughs> yes, he would have been 102. <laughs> yes. Um, but in a one quarterback league, Nikhil Harry, my 101 for 2019 currently. Uh, I, I do think that he is a higher risk selection at this stage because of the unknowns and because of, you know, big draft Twitter. While they might be wrong a lot, while the Malcolm Kuypers and McShays are wrong about their predictions often as far as like where they're going, they often have a pretty good grip of where they're going to go in the draft. And not very often is a guy that's consistently not mocked in the first round go in the first round. So that does have a bit of a worry for, for Harry if he ends up being at the wire receiver four, wire receiver five off the board that might push me off him being the one-on-one in this draft. But for me, he has the best college profile, breakout age, production. He has it and, and at a poor school with Arizona State. Like it, It's not like he's doing it against poor competition in the Pac-12. Certainly, it's not as good as the SEC. But it's not you know the, the MAC or whatever. So he's doing it against Power 5 competition, and he's doing it with bad quarterback play with Arizona State. So I, I'm a big, hairy guy. Uh, <laughs> You're yes. big. You are, you are a big, hairy guy. Big, hairy guy. And so um, – <laughs> Yeah, that's my thoughts on Harry. What are yours? Yeah, I think uh, I, I think he he profiles out the clearest as a potential wide receiver one in this class. I, I think I think he's definitely in my conversation for wide receiver one. I think all my guys are really close right now, and, and draft stock is going to be what separates them. Um, but there's a lot to like. Obviously, the production, like you mentioned, and the breakout age, all of that stuff is super super important. But Everything he does on the field, well, not everything, but for the most part, everything he does is super clean. He's he's pretty darn refined at this point. So I think, I think he's the most NFL ready, uh, aside from maybe like an AJ Brown, who's who's pretty refined as well, but uh, maybe not as explosive. So I just think I think Nikhil Harry brings a legitimate wide receiver one type um, player to the NFL, and I I think let's hope he doesn't go someplace that already has a uh, you know like a solidified wide receiver one, but. Uh, obviously he would thrive as a wide receiver too, working against lesser cornerbacks. Cause that's kind of what he's used to. Obviously NFL quarterbacks are, or cornerbacks are a little bit better than pac 12 cornerbacks. Um, but and with that being said, I still think he can thrive as a two, but I think he definitely profiles out as a one. Alrighty. Who will you be going with the pick, pick four? Uh, number four, I think uh, this might be, this might be a little bit more based on, on market value. I do like him quite a bit, but market seems to be a good amount higher on him than I am. And that's Nick Chubb, uh, 
running back Cleveland Browns, obviously. Uh, the big talk of the town last year was Sony Michelle, and and Chubb kind of went by the wayside. It seemed at first, you know, everything everybody wanted Sony, and and uh, people were scared off by by the injury bug with with Nick and. I think he proved everybody wrong, and and uh, including Hugh Jackson, who refused to use him <laughs> until what is it, like week six or something like that. Uh, so uh, honestly, it it it's kind of it's kind of easy because again, that's a really nice floor play. We saw the production. We know it's a growing offense. We know Freddie Kitchen likes to use him. We know Baker's going to continue to get better. That offense is filling in around him, and I mean it. You know, he may not get a, a ton and ton and ton of carries because now they have Kareem Hunt, which could maybe be a little bit, uh, a little bit scary to some. But we're still not going to see him for at least half the season. And then beyond that, that could just be a play him a little bit to trade him type of thing. Uh, I, I think Nick Chubb continues to thrive in a, in uh, in that offense. And yeah, I think he's pretty easily the the RB two in this group that we're looking at um, by a decent margin. I think. Yeah, I mean, I'm not the only one, but I'm very, you know, worried about what to do with with Nick Chubb in the post Kareem Hunt signing era. I, I I think that people who Nick who moved Nick Chubb, you know, sub, you know, one or two rounds down in the startup, may be overreacting a bit because there is no long term investment in Kareem Hunt. But I think people who are still taking him in the second, maybe you know, early third round, are not accounting for the risk of Kareem Hunt coming in and being the Browns running back one. I mean, at the end of the day. Yes, the the investment of a second round pick is more than what they invested in Hunt. But if Hunt it proves he's clearly the better running back, they're going to go with Hunt because they, I mean, they have a, they have a young explosive. I, I think that there's you know some risk involved with you know face face ha- t- taking a running back this early that might split time heavily. Uh, but you know he, I would say from a talent perspective, he certainly belongs here. I'm I'm just very worried about Cream Hunt. That's fair. I think I think we're going to find out relatively quickly. Um, that Andy Reid, and I'm not saying he was all of it. I'm, I, I'm saying that he had a pretty pretty good size reflection on on what Kareem Hunt was able to do, and obviously Patrick Mahomes uh, growing in. So we know half the season last year or so before before Hunt was suspended. But um, even the Alex Smith offense, you know, obviously he looks really good, but that's the Andy Reid offense. And I'm not saying Kareem Hunt's a bad player because he still had a really nice college career, and and um, you know he he looked good on tape and all of that. So. Uh, I, I think I think the worry is definitely uh, is definitely fair. I mean, obviously that's that's a scary thing, especially when you see what type of production he was able to to accomplish with KC, and now that comes to Cleveland and and potentially gets in the way of Nick Chubb in the back half of the season. So it could be where they just kind of use Kareem Hunt back half to to spell Chubb a little bit and keep him fresh for the playoffs, but. That's a two-headed monster. That's really scary. Plus, we can't forget about Duke Johnson, who it sounds like you know is trying. Honestly, to I'll, I'll be surprised if if Duke is a is a Brown the day after the draft. I agree. I think he gets traded. He gets traded on on day two or day three, um, probably day two. But um, yeah, it's either way. That's that's going to be a competitive backfield. I mean, good for Cleveland for piecing it together, but it, it does kind of burn a little bit for fantasy owners, especially when you're thinking about the long term and what they're going to do with Cream Hunt. All right, uh, my next pick, pick number five. Yes, pick number five, Darius Geis. This this is one that I I, I wasn't confident uh, a pick I was not confident in making, but it was just. Kind of who I who is the top of my board at, at when I'm taking this pick, 
And so it's Darius Geis. I, I think that he has the, the the only bell cow or no, the best bell, bell cow profile of the guys who are left on the board in a, you know, after, I guess, after Barkley. <laughs> and there's not really a clear bell cow after that when the 2018 and 2019 classes. So I, I, I think that Geis is going to get the opportunities as long as he's healthy. And so he might lose some receiving production early on to Chris Thompson, but I think that he is the best running back of this bunch. Uh, I, I mean, with Nick, him and Nick Chubb are, are, are comparative from a talent perspective. And I guess Chubb, it's weird. You think, think a year ago, if you said Chubb was the healthy one between the two, that you wouldn't expect that. But uh, yeah, I mean, where, where Geis is, I, I, I think that, you know, he, he's a solid value and has the opportunity to be a bell cow. The only real worries are Chris Thompson as a receiving and the fact that Washington may be tanking for Tua. Yeah, that's always possible, but I, I agree with you. I was going to go with uh, Geis on my next pick if you didn't take him. So another that's that's a that's an early snipe uh, by Mr. Powell. But yeah, he definitely projects out to to be kind of that bell cow role, uh, like you mentioned, Chris Thompson taking a little bit of the receiving production, but at the same time, you know, Chris Thompson's relatively replaceable. Um, but Washington's kind of a dumpster fire. That's that's uh, I think that's the main worry. And like you said, the the tank for Tua could be real. So year one at this point, well, technically year one for for guys, even though last year was his rookie year, uh, it could be a little bit interesting. Um, it it could it could definitely go sideways really quickly. But yeah, I think I think he's got all the talent. I really liked him last year. He was high up on my board last year. I think he was my my RB two, if I remember correctly. And. You know, the obviously the injury was scary, and and you know there was the infection and some talk about him not being right or whatever it was. But I think we've seen some video as of late where it looks like he's cutting and, and running at full speed, which is really really positive sign. So uh, I'm not as worried as a lot of people are about that injury. I think he's he's gonna you know get to full recovery and and hopefully they don't push him. If he needs to set out a couple of games, I think just go for it and do it. It's not like this team is going to be winning anything this year anyways. So uh, I do like Geis's future. I think this year is going to be a little bit shaky. Okay. Uh, 106. I'm going with Detroit lion carry on Johnson, who I was like, he was a guy last year that when I watched him, I didn't see someone that was great at anything, but I'd also didn't see someone that was bad at anything. He was just good at just about everything, which I mistakenly said just wasn't my type of guy, but at the same time, I, I just obviously wasn't using my brain because somebody that's good at just about everything is going to be a good NFL player. And, and he proved that last year, even though they decided it was a really good idea to use the Garrett Blount, uh, which was uber tilting. And, and then they went ahead and brought in another veteran running back this year. So uh, I have to feel like we probably are going to tilt a little bit this year as well, even though carry on proved himself last year and, and I think that offense continues to get a little bit better, and they, they've seemingly learned how to use running backs a little bit better than they had in the past because that team was abysmal running the ball and, and getting their guys um, getting their guys involved through the passing game. Obviously, Theo Riddick uh, had a couple of good seasons, but he basically played wide receiver for them. So uh, I, I think I think Johnson's got a really, really nice opportunity to, to continue to excel there. I just hope that they aren't going to – continue with these like 50 50 touches and, and he losing, losing all the goal line touches and the red zone touches and everything. So because he's going to need those touchdowns for his production. I don't think he's good. He's going to have a huge uh, yardage output just because of how the lions like to play. They like to throw the ball. Um, but I think he can get involved in that part of the game as well. And, 
and again, this is this is just kind of a a floor pick, really based on a lot of market value because market seems to really really love Carrion. I think he got a really nice boost last year once he perf- once he proved that he could perform and, and produce. Um, he flew up a lot of people's boards and then kind of plateaued, even maybe dropped a little bit after that. But uh, yeah, I, I think I think he's got a really good opportunity. For me, this is the first real disconnect in you know this draft versus market value because there's been six players taken so far. Five of them have been from the 2018 class. Therefore, this is basically this selection is basically saying Carry On Johnson is worth the 102 or more than the 102. And while many people are down on the 2019 class and, and are devaluing those early first round picks, I do think that for the most part, you can get more for the 102 than you can get for carry on. Or if you're trying to acquire carry on, you can do it for cheaper than the 102. Um, so maybe he, you just like him more than any of the other rookies besides Harry. Uh, but for, for me, I think he'd be a little bit lower down after some of the 2019 rookies. Uh, you know, they brought in CJ Anderson, which is a worry. And like, it's like, he's not going to be the type of guy who's going to have a, like a top six running back finish. He might be, you know, low end RB one, high end RB two. But I, don't, I just don't see the you know elite RB potential with him. See, this this one was a little bit uh, of strategy on my part because I knew that I was going to get either um, Brown or Metcalf <laughs> or you know potentially somebody else, and I wanted to make sure that I got somebody else that I really liked. Even though this doesn't mean anything, I'm just trying to build you know you know build my my board. So I'm throwing a little strategy in there as well. So. Uh, this one was anticipating you taking the person that you did. Who uh, who happens to be your 107 there, Nathan? Well, that's a bit of a teaser, folks, because now we got to talk about our friends at my FFPC. Wow, you're gonna you're gonna cliffhanger them like that? Unbelievable. Well, we will just take this quick second to talk about the FFPC, the home of season long high stakes fantasy football. It is the off season, yes, we all know, but it's there's no off season for us dynasty players. Uh, it's like I said, it's definitely not for you guys. You guys are here because of dynasty. So there's really no off season, uh, here or with the FFPC. If you're diehard, who's ready to draft now. The FFPC best ball leagues are already open for 2019 season. Uh, drafting drafts are forming daily starting at just $35. And, uh, if you're a fan of dynasty, which again, you're here. So pretty clearly you are. Uh, the last few years, FFPC has become the go-to destination for serious dynasty players. They now have almost 300 active dynasty leagues starting at $77 and even have a $5,000, yes, you heard that correct, $5,000 entry dynasty league. So whoever wants to bankroll me for that, we uh, we can go into business together. Uh, but the best part is, is that not a single league has folded in nine years. That's incredible. We see leagues fold all the time, and they have not had one fold in nine years uh, there also are some orphan teams available as well to purchase uh, otherwise you know brand new startups uh, going just basically daily so don't miss out on the ffpc experience uh, make sure you go to myffpc.com and register now that's myffpc.com the home of season-long high stakes fantasy football Alrighty, with the 107 in the 2018 2019 Rookie mock matrix. I'm going to go with wide receiver AJ Brown, Ole Miss. AJ Brown. He I, honestly, I think he might be a little bit safer from a draft capital perspective than Harry because you're, you're seeing Brown mocked a little bit more in the first round than you are seeing Harry. Um, I, I I think that the both are, are similar level talents. I, I think Brown 
you know, might have a little bit more upside. So with, with Brown, I mean, I'm a big, big fan of his. I think that, you know, he's really good and he's going to be a first round pick. And so I, I think that he belongs as the, the 102 in the class and he belongs around here in, in the mock as well. So I, I think that if you can, you know, uh, send a, over a 20, a successful uh, 2018 rookie and try and get AJ Brown, I think that's a good move while everyone is so down on the top of the 2019 class. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's probably a good move. I think you could you could looking at this board, you know, moving a Geis or or a carry on even. Um, that's that's about right. I think I think this tier right here is is they're all kind of similarly valued. Um, but with AJ, you know, we, we saw the success with Juju and you know with, with obviously uh, AJ profiling out similarly similarly to Juju. Uh, obviously, that's you know it's just a projection at this point. We don't know what he's going to be when he comes into the NFL, but seeing that type of success with a guy like Juju and knowing what AJ Brown is coming out of college and being, being a similar type player, I think, I think teams are going to are be a little bit antsy to get him. I think he definitely is a first round pick. I think uh, he goes relatively early and I think a team that gets him falls in love with him as long as they decide to, to put him in that slot, like the teams did with Juju. Yeah. And this may be me just like reaching for straws and a reason to like AJ Brown, but it's always good, and obviously we have much talk about Kyler Murray, but it's always good to see a multi-sport athlete because that just shows how skilled they are and how talented they are as an athlete, and that often translates to being a better football player. So A.J. Brown, many people – not many people, but I would say some people you know, advised against taking A.J. Brown in Debbie Leagues because there was the possibility, maybe not this past year, but – in years before that, there was the possibility that he would go the baseball route. He ended up not doing that, thankfully. But, you know, just the fact that he's so talented that he was playing college baseball and, you know, maybe even considered an MLB prospect at some levels just shows, you know, how good of an athlete he is. Yeah, I think you'd be surprised at how many guys are are good at multiple sports and only only a few kind of continue to be multi-sport athletes, whereas most everybody's is kind of specialized these days. Everyone, they're told at a young age that they have to pick one and play it. Uh, if they want to compete at a high level. So yeah, I, I, you definitely, you know, he's an athlete, you know, he's, he's going to be a good NFL player. Uh, we just got to hope for a good landing spot and and maybe he, you know, if he gets that landing spot, I, I could definitely see people taking him over Harry. I know plenty of people that are going to take him over to kill Harry anyways. So uh, I think he's, he's definitely in the conversation for one, two or three. Um, this is the group where I have draft profile or draft stock is going to be what breaks the tie. Uh, and speaking of that tie, my uh, 108 pick is going to be DK Metcalf, who I was going to take where I took on Johnson, but I knew you weren't going to take him, so I took him. Um, just, you know, monster athlete. Obviously, we get to, we, we see all of the stuff about, oh, Tom Brady had a better uh, three cone or whatever, whatever stupid drill it was. Um, there's, there's a reason that big wide receivers don't run a lot of those drills. And obviously, we're not talking about Julio Jones. We're not talking about Calvin Johnson. Those are, you know, generational talents as much as everyone loves to use that phrase. Um, but DK has easily, and I don't think it's close, the highest ceiling of the 2019 class. If he can, you know, kind of clean up some of the things with his route running and and be a little bit less rigid. I mean, the dude's just one big muscle. He's not, he's not normal. He's not from this planet. The the potential is is so intriguing and and you know we we bust on a lot of these picks. Um, you know you, you can lose a lot of roster value by not taking a safer play, but the potential 
the potential uh, for what he could be is too much for me to to shy away from. And and this is guy a guy I've been on since uh, I think he was a senior in high school. Uh, I was drafting him in Debbie League, so it's it's tough to to not at least like the potential of DK Metcalf. Yes, I know that there's a lot of things that he struggles with. I think the main concern for me is the injury bug. Uh, that that's something he hasn't been able to to shake. It seems. Uh, old Miss is kind of a gross offense, um, so a lot of those types of arguments aren't really going to fly by me. You can go yell at your clouds. Um, I'm not really going to listen to that. The, the, the one I will listen to is is the injury argument because it's real, uh, and it's one of the main reasons that I really didn't like Mike Williams coming out. And now Mike Williams looks like he's going to be all right. So um, I just it's hard for me to not to get away from liking DK a lot. Um, I, like I've said it a couple of times, just the, the pure potential. And what he could be is is so intriguing to me. Yeah, personally, I try not to put too much stock in landing spots. I do value draft capital, but I think oftentimes in Dynasty, we overreact to going to a good landing spot versus going to a bad landing spot. But Metcalf is one player where a landing spot is going to be vital for me. I might value him more with a good team or with a good coach and a good uh, quarterback in the second round than I would if he goes in the first round to the Raiders. So I, I, I do think that there are landing spots that would make me worry more about Metcalf. And there are landing spots like if he goes to the Colts, you know, Frank Reich looks like one of the better young coaches uh, in the NFL. If he goes to the Colts, I'm be all aboard the DK Metcalf hype train. But like I said, I, I think that, those things can be a little bit overhyped, but I think that when you talk about a raw prospect, a guy who has limited uh, college production, you do have to account for it more so than you would with a Nikhil Harry. Oh, for sure. For sure. And if he goes to like Baltimore or Oakland or Buffalo, I may quit dynasty altogether. <laughs> I have so many, I have so many Debbie DK Metcalf shares. It's not even funny. Um, but yeah, I agree 100% with the landing spot truly mattering for DK. And, and it doesn't even necessarily be a good team. I, I think he needs to get into good coaching, which obviously usually, you know, the, the good teams follow the good coaching or whatever, however you want to put that. Um, so it, it's going to be important for the landing spot to be there. And, and at this point, I'm just hoping to avoid the, <laughs> the bombs like, like Baltimore, or Buffalo, uh, even though I'd love to see Josh Allen figure his stuff out and Buffalo become less, uh, of a dumpster. And that would be, that would be a match made in heaven if, if, uh, Josh Allen could hit the broadside of a barn. But, um, yeah, it's, it's intriguing to me. I, I'm, I'm, yeah, it's it's draft night's gonna be gonna be fun. I, <laughs> I uh, just really, really, really hope he goes somewhere fun. All right, after a pair of rookies, I will go with the one hundred nine. I mean, after yes, after a pair of twenty nineteen rookies, I will go back to the twenty eighteen well at the one hundred nine with Sony Michelle. Sony Michelle, first round running back, went to the Patriots uh, last season, and. I, I think that he's starting to break the mold of the the Patriots use 18 running backs. The Patriots will never have a fantasy relevant running back. Well, they had James White as, you know, a top 15, top 12 fantasy running back. And Sonny Michelle still kind of profiled as a workhorse when he was involved in the game. So, you know, when he was healthy, when when he had learned the playbook and Belichick learned to trust him. I know he had some fumble issues, but I, I think that Michelle can break the mold of the Belichick running back with the high draft capital and with just being talented. I, I think that he, he's good enough to be a, a 20 to 22 type carry guy in new England. So I, I think that, you know, he is 
once again, another running back from last class that would be above the RB1 of, of this class. Yeah, I think I've got him close to the RB1 um, or that that kind of front-running group. But it, my my big issue with Sony, and you mentioned the fumbles and stuff like that. I'm, I'm not too worried about that. You know, the, the New England thing, it's still something that kind of lingers in my mind a little bit. Like maybe maybe 2018 was just kind of kind of something different that they were trying and, and they'll go back to using like nine different running backs. I don't necessarily think that's going to happen. My, but I do worry about the, the passing game usage, obviously um, having a ton of carries is super important, especially if you're playing in something like a points carry league, then Sony Michelle would be way up higher on this list. But um, I, I just worry that he's not involved enough in the passing game and they continue to add pieces that, that play that role. And I think, just they're they're really comfortable using Sony as a pure running back and and not having him worry about the passing game. So I think from that perspective, I'm probably a little bit lower on him than a lot of folks. I definitely don't hate the pick here. Uh, I think he again fits right kind of into this this next tier. I think after Metcalf, there's another drop off. But yeah, I mean he's he's probably close to it. I just I can't fall in love with somebody that doesn't catch passes. Not that he can't. Not that he can't catch them. I, I, he just that's well, not no, how they I mean, it's it's like Geis and Chris Thompson. Like they're not going to use Geis in the passing game because they have Chris Thompson. They're not going to use Michelle in the passing game because they have James White. Yeah, and and the only difference there I see is that Chris Thompson is relatively replaceable, whereas James White I don't see as quite as replaceable. Plus, he's got a decent sized contract under his belt. Um, so I I don't know. It's it's one where if they do start using him, obviously his his you know, draft or his fantasy value is going to skyrocket. But I just, I have that feeling that they're not, they're, they're really, really comfortable having him as a pure running back. Okay. Uh, with the next pick, this was a lot of people's wide receiver one in 2018. Uh, I was on the bandwagon for most of it. Um, but we've got Cortland Sutton who was pretty underwhelming as a rookie in Denver, but Denver was also atrocious. Um, nothing really seemed to click there uh, other than Philip Lindsay. That was about it. And it just, it just kind of seemed like sour grapes from the get go. And, you know, now we've got, got Joe Flacco there and I'm guessing they're going to draft some sort of quarterback, whether it be this year or next year. So hopefully before the end of Cortland Sutton's rookie uh, rookie contract is up, they they have some somebody playing quarterback there that understands what they're doing uh, because last year was just a, an absolute gong show. Uh, I still think uh, Sutton profiles as as you know a, a wide receiver two ish type. I think he can be a wide receiver one in an NFL offense without without a doubt. I think he's got all of those tools. Um, it's just it's tough when there's not a whole lot around you and and teams are smothering you. So uh, I still think, I think Sutton's kind of a nice value here. Um, there's a few guys on the board that are, are pretty intriguing as well that um, we're probably pretty close to. And I'm guessing there's probably people that we're forgetting about. And you guys are all yelling at us right now. Um, but yeah, I like Cortland Sutton here. Uh, I think he has a, a nice comeback here and, and hopefully Denver figures some things out. See, I mean, I was, I was a Sutton fan last year and I, you know, he, had him going in the, the mid first of rookie drafts last year, but I, I'm not sure I see the value here of a wide receiver who is in a bad offense, who didn't show enough in year one. 
And so it, it wasn't high enough draft pick. Like if he was, you know, a top 15, top 20 draft pick, a la like a Corey Davis coming out of a small school, then I can see not moving him down the ranks after one year of, of doing limited to nothing. Um, but, you know, he, he was not, I mean, he, I think he was a second or third round pick, maybe early third round pick. Um, but basically I don't think he was drafted high enough to excuse uh, how little he produced in year one. Sutton was a top, he was, I think, like 40th overall. He was an early second. Okay. All right. Well, but still, he wasn't a first-round pick, basically. You can take your your draft stock and go shove it up Russell's butt. That's what I got, that's what I got to say about that. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's move to another player who might have some high draft stock. He might even go 40th overall, pretty high if you ask me. Uh, <laughs> Hakeem Butler. Of Iowa State, uh, many talks on the Twitter whether he's Hakeem Bustler or whether he's the wide receiver one in this class. And so, with with that wide variance, and with you know I've talked about before with big draft, many people mocking him into you know the first round of the NFL draft, early second round of the NFL draft. I'm going to take that hype, and I'm going to take the upside of Butler that he produced in his uh, you know final season at Iowa State. So I think there's a lot to like, you know, big bodied uh, catcher, uh, you know, can jump high, all the works. And so, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure if 104 in a normal rookie draft is the best, is, you know, a good value for Hakeem Butler. But at this point, he's the fourth highest valued player in this draft. Yeah, I think right now it's it's pretty easy to put him to put him in that spot. You know, we we've been starting to hear a lot more about. Um, like Marquise Brown and and some other guys moving up in in potentially being first round picks and going ahead of of Akeem Butler, but that's another like super size, speed, athleticism freak that maybe we uh, we kind of looked past for too long. And um, you know some some people that were were following along had him higher up on boards, but for the most part, people were kind of not really aware of who he even was, but. Yeah, he's he's another physical freak. We've got a couple of those guys in this in this class. Um, I think he can do enough. I I don't. I, I think he's he's like your red zone specialist type. I just there's there's I don't know. His route running's not super wonderful. I I think if you just focus on getting him in in fifty fifties and using him in the red zone, I I mean a guy like that that's that's kind of built for what he's good at. Um, however, he does kind of struggle with with his, you know, his short area quickness, I guess, if you want to call it that. Um, I don't know. I, I, I do like Butler. I just, there's a couple of other guys, I think, that, that kind of fit the bill a little bit better here. And I still think he's going to be in that conversation of the next tier of wide receivers. I know there's some guys that are talking about Hakeem as the wide receiver one, which to me is a little bit crazy. I don't think he's quite there yet. Um, but anything could happen. He could end up going relatively early and with the best landing spot. And if that's the case, then you have to make, you have to make a case for him as wide receiver one. If he ends up with say someone like the Colts or, you know, a, a team that's, that's you know, like the Chiefs. Um, any any team that's got a big passing offense and knows how to util- utilize their players like that, it, it's it's going to be tough not to move him up. You know, you you've potentially got Brandon Marshall, or you could have Denario Alexander. Yeah, it's a, there's a, there's a really wide range of outcomes with Butler. I think. 
Alrighty, Dan, wrap us up with the last pick of the night. Okay, last pick of tonight. We are going... Um, I want to go running back. Let's let's go with my current RB1. This is one that will likely change based on landing spots. But that's Miles Sanders. We hear all sorts of talk in the uh, in the Twitterverse. And this is, this is a guy out of Penn State, so he had to deal with uh, a year of Saquon Barkley. Um, so he didn't have a ton and ton and ton of usage on his on his legs quite yet. Um, you know, someone kind of like Josh Jacobs didn't get a ton of usage. Um, but I think I think Sanders projects out really nicely, actually. Uh, he fits really nicely in, in the current NFL as we see the major shift towards you know, being everyone involved in the passing game because it's a passing league. And I think that's where he excels. Um, I think I think he can be a three down back. I, I think he'll work best as a pass catcher in a pass catching role with a little bit of of ground game work. Um, you know, maybe something like 10 carries and and then work everything else on the targets and fit him in next to kind of a more of a, a bruiser type running back and you know, we're basically going to get to a point where we're going to have like two or three bell cow guys in the league and everyone else is going to be in the committee because again, that's just kind of the way the NFL is trending. They want to keep these guys fresh and healthy. And, you know, I don't see really a true high end running back in this class, but I think miles Sanders, because of my love for pass catching backs, I think he, I think he's got the the most potential to be a big time fantasy producer. Yeah, Miles Sanders is a solid pick here. Definitely has probably the the, the biggest upside to turn into like a Lashawn McCoy type runner in this class. You know, a lot of the other guys seem more like you know plotters <laughs> when it comes to you know the bigger backs that are you know just getting three four yards a carry. While Sanders does seem more elusive than than the other guys. So. Yeah, I mean, I like the pick here. I think it's a solid spot. And honestly, it comes down to, in this spot, I'll take whoever goes RB1 in the draft. Uh, you know, whoever's going to get the opportunities early on, whoever's going to, you know, maybe go to a, the best situation. But more so, you know, obviously the draft capital matters more than the landing spot. So, I mean, Sanders is solid here. I think that it's probably between him and Jacobs as far as who is going to be the first running back off the board. So, um, but I, I think that you know both 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 of those two are in the running uh, for both dynasty and NFL draft for RB one. Yeah, I think I like you said. I, I think J- Jacobs probably ends up going first. Um, I like what I see from Sanders just a little bit more. I know I know a lot of people really think that Josh Jacobs is going to be something special. Uh, I didn't see a ton there, uh, honestly. If we're going to talk about it, I think I prefer Damian Harris to Josh Jacobs, but that'll be for next week. We can argue about Josh Jacobs because I'd have to imagine he's going to go somewhere in the next 12 picks. And uh, so, to recap, we have our top 12 this week, which were Saquon Barkley, DJ Moore, Nikhil Harry, Nick Chubb, Darius Geis, Carrion Johnson, AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, Sony Michelle, Cortland Sutton, Hakeem Butler. And Miles Sanders in that order. You don't have to. You don't have to like it, but you're going to have to hear about it at least for one more week. Uh, next week we'll cover the back half of that, which should be also fun. I enjoyed this. This. This is. I think we need to do this more often. You see, Dan, I, that's where I disagree. I, I, this was fun, <laughs> but uh, honestly, we, we talked a little trade cast history uh, last last week, and I think one of the first things I said to you and Eric was, 
we just can't do mock drafts because that is literally the worst podcasting ever. And here we are two, three years later. I, I mean, pretty sure we debuted right after the draft. Uh, and, you know, here we are talking mock drafts. Yeah, but see, a lot of times it's people that don't really know what they're doing. You get a lot of dead air and and trying to pick after being sniped. But, you know, the, the relationship that we have, that's it's like bread and butter, brother, you know? You know? who's But who's yeah, bread and who's butter? Is that like a Morpheus and Neo thing? Well, you know, I'm dieting, so I'll, I'll, be, I'll be the margarine. Oh, yeah, you can <laughs> the margarine. <laughs> I, I can't believe it's not Nathan. <laughs> That's the show. <laughs> <laughs> that is absolutely 100% the show. All right, guys. Uh, thank you so much for being here with us this week. Make sure you hit up uh, iTunes and all of your lovely podcast places. Make sure you give us some, some five-star reviews. Leave us a note if you want to say hi. Say great job. Say you're the worst. Don't say that you're the worst. We have we're very touchy. We have we have feelings. Um, but for Nathan and myself, this has been the Dynasty Tradecast, and we will see you guys next week. The Gap Factory Labor Day sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season. 40 to 75% off everything. Plus doorbusters August 30th through September 2nd only. Tees from $4.99. Logo styles from $16.99. And jeans from $19.99. Shop in-store today at Gap Factory or at GapFactory.com. The Gap Factory Labor Day sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season. 40 to 75% off everything. Plus doorbusters August 30th through September 2nd only. Tees from $4.99. Logo styles from $16.99. And jeans from $19.99. Shop in-store today at Gap Factory or at GapFactory.com. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.